we'll begin by saying good morning. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving? I mean, had a great Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, let's give the Lord a hand for just all of his blessings to us and how good the Lord has been to us. Now, confession is good for the soul, so how many of you ate too much Thanksgiving? How many of you ate too much the day after Thanksgiving? And the day after Thanksgiving, okay, you know we've all been together. God has been so good to all of us. Let me take a moment to welcome those who are watching online today. It's a very special day. We are observing the Lord's Supper, and we have a real special little treat for you I want you to look at in just a moment. But before we do that, um, I did something today. It's kind of a tradition for me in, in my heart and in my home. So coming to church today, I started playing Christmas music. How many of, how many of you all started listening to Christmas music? All right, some of you have, okay. You know, the mall starts celebrating Christmas now in July. You know how that works. But I, it's, always, I, it's always, you know, for me, kind of the day after Thanksgiving is starting. And so, um, you know, to really get the Christmas spirit, I, I started off with Oh Holy Night by Mariah Carey. And then for some of you real old, old people, I did the first Noel by Andy Williams. I know a lot of you never even heard of Andy Williams. And then I kind of wound up with Michael Jackson. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus, and that kind of really got me in the mood today. But all of that said, beginning next week, I told you before that when you've been doing this as long as I've been doing it, the most difficult time of the year is Christmas because you've, you've preached on every Christmas text that you know to preach on. And you don't want to say the same thing, over, although the story really never gets old. And, and so as I was planning out my series, I do this, so I plan my series out a year ahead of time. As I was planning my series, I always say Christmas for last because I'm always going, Lord, this is where I really need help. I don't know what I'm going to say this year. And something happened in my life. I'll go to it next week. But I'm telling you, I got this idea. And I'm going to be preaching the next three weeks a series we're going to call Unsung Hero. Because that's where most of us live our lives. Most of us, for example, if you had, like I did, if you had a good dad and a good mom, they didn't get a medal. They never got their name in the paper. They never got interviewed by a reporter. But to us, they were heroes, unsung heroes. My mother, who taught me as a little boy to read my Bible every day, who would sit beside my bed every single night, as long as I can remember, I mean until the day I went off to college, my mom would come in every single night, sit by my bed and my brother's bed, Mike, we shared a bedroom together, and she would pray for us and read the Bible every single night. My mom was a hero. Nobody would know that, but she was a hero. So we're all, in our way, kind of unsung heroes. We're going to talk about maybe the most unsung hero in all of the Bible. And I'll just give you one little clue about how unsung he was. Even though he is a, I would consider, a major figure in the Bible, he never said a word, not one word. That's why he's an unsung hero. It is a fascinating series. It will bless you. It's already blessed me. So I want you to invite people. That, you know, I was reading yesterday, this is the time of the year along with Easter when people are open to coming to church. So would you pray about the one that you've got in your life? Would you pray about that next door neighbor? Somebody maybe you've been thinking, hey, I've been thinking about inviting them to church. Let them come beginning next week. We'll be thinking about unsung hero. Now, we're going to do something special today. Two things, actually. First of all, Thanksgiving, I told you a week or so ago, you can't spell Thanksgiving without the word giving. 
We're going to talk about giving today, but not in the way you think, because when we think about the word giving, you think about money. So I want to put you at ease. We're not talking about giving money today. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something. If you were to put a list of the things that are most important you could give to God, money would be down the line. If you would think about the most important things you could give to someone else, I can tell you money is down the line. So let me tell you, kind of set this up today. There's a a member of our church. Uh, His name is Tyler. Now, Tyler is an unsung hero. He wouldn't want me to say that about him, but he is. And uh, I I really kind of stumbled onto Tyler. I didn't really know Tyler all that well. But uh, then he got, he was in one of my early mentoring groups, was one of our star pupils, by the way. And um, so we developed a great relationship. He's been a big golfing buddy of mine for many, many years and the years that we've gotten to know each other. And so um, I've been trying to get up to play golf with him here not too long ago. And I noticed that every time I would ask him to play, something was, you know, I can't do it. And, and he does travel, you know, some, but I knew he hadn't been out of time. Didn't think that much about it. So finally, I saw him at church, and I said, hey, Tyler, I said, man, where, where have you been? What have you been doing? And he didn't really, I could tell he's kind of sheepish about it, and he told me something, and it blew me away. It just blew me away. And so, uh, again, he gives all the glory to the Lord. We're going, I want to show you about a six-minute video that will be worth coming to church for. I want you to watch it as you think about the word Thanksgiving. Hey, my name's Tyler Reffling. I've been at Cross Point. I guess we've been coming here almost 10 years. My wife, Dana, works in First Impressions. We've been married, uh, I guess we were married in 99, so we're 23 years now. We just had our anniversary not too long ago. And uh, I have three kids. One just went off to college, uh, Peyton. Um, and then we have Clay. He's in 10th grade. No, 11th grade, sorry. Um, and uh, then we have the crazy one that a lot of people know, which is Zach, and he's in middle school. We've served in various capacities at Cross Point. Right now, we host a home group. I'm helping Micah in middle school. We just love Cross Point. We came, we love the groups are plugged in, uh, but mostly it's the kids. We've come, a lot of what Cross Point means is getting the kids to a living, active, breathing church. Is, you know, we've been to a number of churches and having an engaged church where the kids really feel plugged in is one of our main reasons for being here. Christmas 2020, I'm watching a Hallmark movie and someone involved is donating an organ to a loved one. Um, But at the end of the movie, it gives you some information on organ donation. And so I just was like curious. They talk about how many people are in need of organs. And uh, so I just did some research. Uh, To be honest with you, I originally wanted to donate a liver. Some insurance issues go on with what you do for liver donation, so I ended up going through the process. uh, And it took about two years before I actually got approved and even got on the list. So that's why I talk about uh, it was a while ago that the prompting that God gave me through a movie. So again, we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and God talking to us. And, you know, I was watching a movie, got interested, said, Uh, you know, what is it you want from me, God? And I just started thinking about it, talking about it, doing research. Um, And uh, it took a long time. I took a lot of testing. You have to go into the doctor quite a few times. And I guess it was first or second week of June, uh, I ended up having my kidney donated. Um, They took it out, didn't know where it was going, didn't know who I was donating to. And, uh, you know, 
One of the other things about the story that just kind of affirms that God was involved was my family's from Wisconsin, my dad grew up there, and to come and find out after surgery, after all that, they actually flew my kidney up to Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin uh, Hospital, and uh, that's someone in Wisconsin got my organ. It was an interesting uh, way for God to affirm in me that I was following him and, and doing what he wanted. You know, a lot of people will recognize that there is risk involved in this, and, and from my standpoint, I didn't view it as a risk. I view it as God gave me a body. He wants me to be a steward of that body. And so as that, I viewed it as a following obedience. Now that said, I had loved ones that were being impacted. Uh, think about them and think about my loved ones, but ultimately God was just calling me to do this because I have a body and I need to be a steward of what he's given me and not look at it as mine, but view it as what can I do to help others? And, and that's why I did it. You know, it's not lost on me that a lot of people view what I did as a sacrifice. I don't necessarily view it as a sacrifice, I view it as obedience. But it is just awesome to think that Jesus hung himself on the cross and he ultimately sacrificed his whole life for us. So me just giving a kidney uh, and being a steward with what had God had given me, I just felt like that's what God wanted for me. He wanted me to be an example, whether it's to my kids, whether it's to whoever hears the story, whether no one heard the story. It was about me being obedient. But ultimately, Jesus did so much more for us. Our sins are washed away because he died on the cross. And if, if we don't look at others and see other people sacrificing, then we're minimizing what Jesus did on that cross. And so we really need to, as just believers, just love God and, and be as steward-minded with everything we have for him because of that. God's taught me so much through this, but it's interesting how many people come up to me and say they admire me, but they don't understand. They don't get it. It doesn't logically connect. I talk to them or I say to them, it wasn't about me. It was about being a steward with what I've been given. And so often we think money, that's the thing we steward. We're supposed to steward everything in our lives. We're not just talking about stewarding money. We're not just talking about stewarding our time, right? We talk about money and time. Everything God's given us, whether it's our job, whether it's our body, whether it's, you know, it is. It is about money. If you look at your track record on tithing, if you look at your track record on going to church and your time commitments. So to me, I've learned so much because so many people don't understand it. It doesn't logically connect for us as humans because we're sinful. We think, what did I get out of it? We don't get anything. God gave it all up. God's given us the opportunity to serve him in our lives, and we view it as possessions. And so to me, uh, I love when people don't understand it because I don't understand my faith. It's just something I have. It's something that I chose to follow God and it doesn't logically make sense. There are so many times in the Bible where logic doesn't add up, it doesn't process. That's not what faith is. Faith believing and doing and being a steward with everything God's given us. And that's what I've learned. That's what God teaches me and continues to teach me through everything I do, um, and more specifically, even through this kidney donation. God is real. And for him to be real in your life, you have to remain in the word. You have to remain in prayer. You really have to just allow him to talk to you because I don't know what kind of bold things he wants to do in your life, but I promise you he wants to do bold things. And I don't know what kind of sacrifice that is for you. I know what he asked me to do, just one small sacrifice so far, but I've sacrificed my whole life and this is just one testimony I have. But God loves you and, and he wants to talk to you and, and he wants you to be obedient to him. And so I just encourage you to just 
allow God to live in your life, allow him to talk to you, and just trust that he's got big things for you to do. You know, a lot of things happen to a pastor that um, you think, you know, you think you've seen it all and heard it all. And I've, I've been a pastor, you know, four plus decades. I've never had anybody out in the lobby when I said, uh, so where have you been? And they go, well, I gave a kidney. I mean, you, you, excuse, you did what? I mean, I did. You did what? I gave a kidney. And yet, as Tyler said, and we're going to bring Tyler up into the service and pray over him and thank the Lord for him. But as Tyler said, it wasn't about just giving a kidney. It was just about obeying the Lord and doing what the Lord told him to do. And you know, at the end of the day, that's really what life for a follower of Jesus is all about. You just do whatever the Lord tells you to do. And Tyler is right. Sometimes, in fact, maybe more often than not, it doesn't make sense. What we're about to do today to an outside world doesn't make sense. How how can a little piece of wafer that we're about to eat and a little bit of grape juice we're about to drink, how in the world does that impact a life forever? How, how, how does this take a person who is in darkness and put them in light? How does it take a person who is in death and give him life? How does it do that? You know, the last time I took the Lord's Supper was about uh, three weeks ago. I was at the empty tomb in Jerusalem with about 100 people. And we were, we always take the Lord's Supper. You can, when we take the Lord's Supper, I mean, if, you, if you're sitting there taking the Lord's Supper, the empty tomb's right over here. It's the, one of the coolest thing. We always wind up our trips to Israel. It's kind of the climax of the trip. But I always remember when I'm sitting there, you know, the world doesn't get the death or the burial or the resurrection or much less the life of Jesus. It, it, to the world, it doesn't add up that only one man could do what all the world could not do for itself. And that's really what the Lord's Supper is about today. So if you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let me tell you what we're going to do today. You know, normally I've got my points laid out and all of that. I'm not going to do that today. What I want to do is do something we don't do very often and I don't do. It's not my style. I'm going to read this verse by verse. And I want to just give a little commentary on it. And as I read it, I want you to think about it. Don't blow through it. Don't read it and then get on your iPhone or think about where you're going to eat lunch or whatever. I want you to really concentrate on the verses we're going to read. I'm beginning in verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Let me stop right there. Paul said something there that has a lot of truth for us today. He said, look, what I'm telling you, I got from Jesus. So I'm just, I'm just the messenger's boy. What I received from him, I passed on to you. What he did about the Lord's Supper is what we ought to do every day with the gospel. I didn't make up the gospel. You didn't make up the gospel. Santa Claus didn't make up the gospel. Jesus died on the cross, was buried. Three days later, he came back from the grave. And we'll give him our heart and life and repent of our sins. He will forgive us, give us eternal life, give us the power to live a godly life and take us to heaven when we die. That's the gospel. I didn't make that up. I received that from the Lord. And everything that you get from the Lord, you are to pass on to somebody else. So take Tyler, for example. Is he saying everybody ought to give a kidney? That's not his point. No, because he did what God told him to do. What he is passing on to us is, hey, I received a certain teaching, instruction 
command from the Lord, I obeyed it. You do the same. When you read your word, when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you and you know, I need to pass this along to someone else, you do that. He said, I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, I always love the way he put the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. Now just think about that. He knows that the guy sitting on that table, in that table, that guy named Judas, he knows he's going to betray him. He knows he's literally going to knife him in the back. Is he complaining? Is he griping? Is he angry? Is he upset? He is not. He took bread. Think about that. Right in front of this guy that's going to betray him, he took bread. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully hate you. You know, that's not the way we're taught today. We're taught that, you know, somebody hits you, you hit them back, and you hit them back harder than you hit you. That wasn't the way of Jesus. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, now think about this. You know, the Bible says in all things, give thanks. We sometimes find it very hard to give thanks, right? You may be finding it hard. Maybe Thanksgiving wasn't really good for you. Maybe when I ask you if you had a great Thanksgiving, some of you lied like a dog when you raised your hand because it wasn't a good Thanksgiving for you. But you didn't want to admit it. You didn't want to look like a whiner or a complainer. But maybe you said, you know, I didn't have a lot of reason to be thankful. Well, neither did Jesus, if you think about it. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be unfairly condemned. He's about to be brutally beaten, whipped, and scourged. He's about to be crucified stark naked. He's going to get to the point where he can't even control his bodily functions in front of a world that's watching. But he gave thanks. In all things, give thanks. Not far, in. He gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body. Now, I want you to know these four words. Which is for you. So I'm at my study early, early this morning, and I'm reading through this passage over and over and over. And I'm not, I'm not even writing things down. I'm just saying, Lord, I just want you just to speak to me, and, and I'm going to trust you that you, you know, you'll tell me what I need to say when I get up. I don't do that very often. And then I read those four words, which is for you. And a thought hit me this morning's never hit me in my entire Christian life, ever. I never thought about it. Go back and read the four Gospels. Jesus never did one thing for himself. I, I never, David, I never thought about that. It never, never hit me. He, even when I get chilled by somebody, well, he got away. Why did he get away to do what? What was he doing? He's praying, praying for us. He said, this is for you. And I thought, just like Jesus, everything you did was for me. You left heaven for me. You came to earth for me. You were born in an animal feeding trough for me. You lived a perfect life for me. You bled and died and was beaten and suffered for me. You came back from the dead for me. One day, he's coming again for you and for me. This which is for you, everything he did was for you. All of which is to say, you're never more like Jesus and when your number one focus is always on somebody else. You're not worried about what people can do for you. You're worried about what you can do for people. I, I, I talk to our staff. Our staff will tell you this, and I remind myself of this. You're not here to serve us. I'm here to serve you. You don't serve the pastor. The pastor serves you. 
the shepherd, the sheep don't serve, serve the shepherd. The shepherd serves the sheep. And you're never more like Jesus when you say, I'm always doing it for you. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's amazing. Jesus, now, you know, we, we, listen, I love Christmas. Nobody likes Christmas more than I do. I love it. Thank God for Christmas. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Hope all of us enjoy Christmas. Jesus never told us to remember his birth. I want you to remember my death. Do this in remembrance of me. For the same way, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant. You know what a covenant is? A covenant is a sacred promise. Our God is a covenant God. The reason why I know that I'm saved, the reason why I know I've been forgiven, the reason why I know I have eternal life, the reason why I know if I don't make it back to my home today, I will be in heaven. The reason I know that is because our God is a covenant God. And when God makes a covenant, he doesn't break his covenant. He said, this is the new covenant. What did he mean by that? The old covenant, they thought it was law. He said, well, if you thought that, you were wrong, but let's get beyond that. The new covenant is grace. It's because of my body and because of my blood and because of your faith. When you take my body, my blood, and mix it with your faith, you have eternal life. This is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, you do it, it remembers for me. Now watch this. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. That's what we're to do when we're taking the Lord's Supper. That's what we're to do when we're not taking the Lord's Supper. You know what the Lord's Supper is, is, is to remind us of? It's not only to remind us that he died for us. The Lord's Supper reminds us we're to be telling other people he died for them. You do remember, you do know, you do understand. He died for everybody. He died for the atheist. He died for the agnostic. He died for the Democrat. He died for the Republican. He died for the liberal. He died for the conservative. He died for the American. He died for the Chinese. He died for the Russian. He died for everybody. You proclaim the Lord's death. And then I love this part, until he comes. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen the next day, the next week, the next year, if we will even see another year. I'll tell you one thing I absolutely know is going to happen. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming back. He said, you proclaim this, but remember, it's just until I come. So now watch this. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup, whoever does that, in an unworthy manner. I'm reading that this morning. I stopped, got out some commentaries. So I want to make sure I know exactly what that means. I don't want to do it. In an unworthy manner. So for those of you who are new here and maybe you've never seen us take the Lord's Supper before, let me just remind you of something our people have heard quite a few times. That does not mean you've got to wait and make yourself worthy to take the Lord's Supper. Because if you wait until you make yourself worthy, you'll never take the Lord's Supper. Because in our own and on our own and by our own, we're not worthy to take the supper. I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to eat this bread and drink this cup because I'm worthy. I'm going to do it because he's worthy. I'm not worthy. He's worthy. But he said, don't do it in an unworthy manner. Well, what in the world did he mean? Well, let's get specific. Then we're going to get general. If you keep reading, whenever they would come and take the Lord's Supper, evidently they were supposed to have a meal. They would bring a meal. 
and because, you know, meal was a sign of fellowship and hospitality. So people were to bring food. Not only were they to bring food, they were to bring enough food for people who couldn't bring food because they had both rich people, well-to-do people, and poor people in the church. Well, you read this church in Corinth, which, by the way, this was some kind of church. If you want to read, you want to read a soap opera in the Bible, go read Corinthians. It's a piece of work. Those people were a piece of work. That's the one church I would never want to pastor. That's another story. Anyway, this church, if you can believe it, no joke, read it for yourself. It's black ink on white paper. <laughs> there were people coming to the church. They'd already eaten and drank so much they were drunk when they walked in the door. They were taking the Lord's Supper drunk. And it didn't go too well for them, by the way. That's another part of the story we won't get into. But the point is, there were people that were coming there and they were so flippant. They were so unserious. They were so lackadaisical. They were so ho-hum about the Lord's Supper. They are coming drunk. And not only are they coming drunk, they're hoarding their food. They're letting other people go hungry at the meal. They're not sharing their food with other people. They say, how does that translate today? Because we don't, we don't do that. Do we? we don't bring a meal here. Anytime you bring any sin with you into the house of God and you don't confess that sin and repent of that sin and get rid of that sin and get right with God because of that sin, anytime you do that, you are taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So I just what I want to take for just a moment, I'm going to do this in a second, but what I want you to do is I want you to really, really, and this is hard because I had to do it myself this morning. I had to get on my knees this morning before I even come to came to church. In fact, I went over to my study by myself and got on my knees and did the same thing all over again. I said, Lord, I don't want to just not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. I don't want to administer the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So I get on my knees. And I just simply said, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now the easy part is just to say that. The hard part is when you sit there and get quiet and listen. That is so hard. Because you know I've told you this before. He has a perfect record with me. He always brings things to my mind. There are times I get on my knees and I'll think, I, you know, I know when I pray this prayer, this won't take long because I'm good to go. And then he'll say, you prideful, arrogant, you know what? And I was like, oh gosh, I've already blown it to begin with, right? So I sat there and I listened. And so I hear things like, and I'm not being funny when I say this. So were you more passionate in Athens yesterday about a zipped up bag of air being carried across a cow pasture by men that are tired, then you're going to be tomorrow when we take the Lord's Supper in Duluth. So does it bother you that you've gone weeks and you've not led anybody to Jesus? Do you realize that there were a couple of times this week that you did your daily Bible reading, but you just kind of did it to check off a box? And how about those times this week when I called you to pray, but you got busy doing something else and you kind of cut your prayer time short? You may be sitting there going, wow, does 
He deals with that. Yeah, he, he deals with me that way. He'll deal with you that way. So is there anybody right now you're bitter toward? Anybody's done you wrong and you've not forgiven them? Or you're about to spend money on Christmas gifts, but you've not given financially to the Lord's work? Or that relative or the next, that next door neighbor and God keeps pricking your conscience. You, you need to invite that person to church. You need to share a witness with that person. You need to let that person know you're praying for them, but you've not done anything. It's amazing the number of times that God convicts me. You know what's amazing? It's not the sins of commission. It's the sins of omission. Most of the time, it's not God convicting me of what I've done because I try to live a pretty blameless life. It's what I didn't do. Did I read my Bible fully engaged, committed? Lord, I want you to, I want, I'm not going to walk out of this word today till you say a word to me. Lord, I'm not going to be so busy today that I don't stop what I'm doing and put my cell phone aside and my iPad down and just spend time praising you and blessing you and loving you and exalting you and glorifying you. And Lord, I've been ashamed of the gospel too long. I've kept my mouth shut too long. Today, tomorrow, this week, you've given me a one. Maybe it's my neighbor somebody else. Give me the opportunity and I will take it to talk to somebody about Jesus. Or how about this? I said, Lord, deliver me from two things today, laziness and lukewarmness. Do you ever get lazy in your Christian life? Can I, can, I be, can I confess you guys will forgive me and hope you won't fire me? I do. I, I get lazy in my Christian life sometimes. Do you ever battle lukewarmness? You're not hot. You're not cold. You're just, we talked about it last week. You're just lukewarm. One of the purposes of the Lord's Supper, it's like a washing machine, if you will. One of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is it's a time when the Lord says, let's put everything down. He says it. Examine yourself. Let me just keep reading this, okay? Listen to this. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord, unworthy man, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. What we ought to do. I, I, don't, I don't want you to examine me. That's my job. I'm not going to examine you. That's your job. What we need to do, though, is examine ourselves and say, Lord, I want to take this supper today. I want to eat this bread. I want to drink this cup. I want to make sure, number one, my hands are clean, but I want to make sure my heart is right. I want to make sure there's nothing between you and me. Because I want to take the Lord's Supper the way today. Think about it this way. I want you to imagine you're on your deathbed. And I want you to imagine the doctor has told you, and he's right, you have exactly one minute to live. I don't know how you want to die. I tell you, I want to die. I want to die with nothing on the record. I want to die with no unconfessed sin, no unrepented of sin. I want to die as far as I know, blameless, totally forgiven before the Lord. The way you ought to want to die in the last minute of your life, that's exactly the way you ought to take this supper. That clean, that pure, that blameless. 
So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And would you just in your heart right now, would you just do this? Just in your heart right now, just you, would you just pray this prayer slowly but sincerely? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, this is so awkward. But I'm not going to say another word for about a minute or two. And you just be quiet. And you really open up your heart and you let the Holy Spirit go to the deepest nook and cranny of your soul. And make sure he sweeps out all the cobwebs. And every sin he brings to your mind, every sin he brings to your heart, confess it, repent of it, and ask God to forgive you. Father, we do not know our hearts. That's why that prayer says, search me and know my heart. We don't even know our own hearts. But Lord, as I humble myself before you, and as we lift up the Lord Jesus through what we're about to do, I pray for all of us in this room who know you, who have trusted you, who love you. Father, I pray that we would do it with clean hands and clean hearts. You have honored us by what you did for us on the cross. May we honor you today by the way we remember it. And we pray this in your name. 
Amen. So Jesus took the bread. You know, when you get to heaven, I, I, I just, as you get older, you start imagining heaven. You just do it, all the things we're going to do. And I just sometimes wonder if maybe in heaven we get to go back to the future. This may sound crazy to you, but I just wonder, wonder maybe if sometimes the Lord will just take us back and let me show you what that night was really like. Let me, let me show you what it felt like in that upper room when I was with those disciples. I want you to feel what those men felt. They didn't understand it, but they knew something was different. We ask every one of you to take the supper with us if two things are true. Well, one thing is true for sure, that you have trusted Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You've been born again. We don't care what denomination you are. We don't do that here. No matter whether you're Presbyterian or Methodist or whatever, I don't care about that. But you should not take the Lord's Supper unless you have a place at the Lord's table. And he's the only one that can make that reservation for you. So if you know the Lord, we'd ask you to do that. But it's unimaginable, and I don't have time to preach on it. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's unimaginable what physically they did to Jesus before they crucified him. So don't take it lightly when Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You eat this, you do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we will never forget, ever, not even in eternity will we forget that you gave your body literally for us. We bless not only the bread, we bless you. We love you. We exalt you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for what you did in your name. Amen. And then... Likewise, Jesus took the cup. The thing that separates us from every other really religion in the world, one of the things, is we're not just people of the book, we're people of the blood. And we believe that it was necessary, Jesus had to shed his blood. Because out, without the shedding of blood, the Word of God says there is no forgiveness of sins. No other way could do it. There was no other way possible. No disease, no just being beaten to death. He had to shed his blood. The wonderful thing in his blood was so powerful that one millionth of one millimeter of one drop of his blood could save the entire world. And Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it, you do it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, your blood cleanses us from all sin. There is power, wonder-working power <clears throat> in your blood. And with heads bowed, with eyes closed, I just wonder who maybe is watching right now, or maybe you're in this room, 
Maybe you're watching right now and you could not have taken the Lord's Supper because you don't have a place at the table. You didn't take the Lord's Supper today because you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And I just wonder who would like to do that today. I, I didn't realize what happened to me when I was nine years old in a theater and I gave my life to Christ. I, I didn't realize all the things that happened. One of the things that happened, I got a table. I got a chair at a table in heaven with my name on it. And what we did today is just a picture. One day there's going to be this thing called the wedding supper of the Lamb. And everybody that was born again, everybody that trusted Jesus, everybody that gave their lives to Christ, everybody has a seat at the table. So you may be a little boy, a little girl, a teenager, grown man, grown woman, and you don't have a seat at the table, but you would like one. There's a reservation waiting for you. And if that's your heart, you say, yes, that's, that's what I want. Would you just tell the Lord that? Would you just do what George did, that great young man? I, I knew George. I, look, George has also been here forever. Why don't you just do what George did? Why don't you just write down your heart? Why don't you just pray this to the Lord? Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I know I am because that's why you died. You died for sinners. You had to die because of my sin. You gave your body and you gave your blood to pay for my sins. You're the Savior. You're exactly who I need. So today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. I surrender to you as my Lord. I trust you as my Savior. I give all that I am to all that you are. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, God saved you. Not because I saved so because he did. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you're watching right now. You say, yes, I prayed. I asked Christ to come into my heart. Wonderful. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to go to your computer, go to your iPhone right now, go, whatever you've got available there. And I want you to go to crosspointchurch.com slash next. Just go to that website right now. Crosspointchurch.com slash next, okay? There's somebody we're waiting to hear from you. We're waiting right now to hear from you. Go to that website. Just let us know. Today I prayed to give my life to Jesus. I trusted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If you're in this room and you did that, here's what I want you to do. When this service is over, and you meant it, now if you meant it, you'll do it. If you didn't mean it, you won't. When the service is over, I want you to go to the back of our building, go to the lobby. There's a table there called Next Steps. There'll be people there waiting to talk to you. I want you to go to that table and simply say to them, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. I became a believer, a follower of Jesus today. I got my place at the table today. Wherever you want to put it, we're going to help you begin to take your next step, your walk with God. There's always a next step. Now, there's some of you here that might say, you know, I've already done that. But you know what? You've never been baptized like George has. 
Did you know that's the very first step God wants you to take once you become a follower of Jesus is to be biblically baptized? Some of you have never done that. We're going to be baptizing Christmas Eve. I'm going to be baptizing. I would love to baptize you Christmas Eve. If you say, you know what? I'd love for you to do that. I'd love to be baptized Christmas Eve. Go out to the table and just simply say to the folks at the table, hey, I know Jesus. I've trusted the Lord, but I'd like to make a reservation. I want to be baptized Christmas Eve. We'd love to do that. You may say, I've already been baptized. Well, you are a member of this church. Well, no. Do you come here? Yes. You need to join this church. You need to go out there and say, look, I need to sign up for the class where I can become a member of this church. Love to do that. Or it may be like Tyler, you're a member, but you need to find a place to serve. You need to get involved in a small group to be discipled. Maybe you can help us on a worship team. You can always give. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray we have honored you with the honor that you deserve, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us. We bless you this Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you for what we've seen, heard, and experienced. And thank you again for your body and for your blood. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to call Tyler up here. Tyler, I want you to come up. Tyler didn't want to come up, but he's under my authority. He's got to obey me today. So, Tyler is not just a brother to me, one of my best buddies. But, and I've never really told him this, but I so admire him. Because if you would like to know, so what are we trying to reproduce here at our church? What's, what is a, I call him Crosspoint Chris. That's what we nickname people. What does Crosspoint Chris look like? That's him. Worships, disciples, serves, and sins. And Tyler, I just want to, this is your pastor, buddy. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your support of the ministry. Most of all, thank you for obeying Jesus. He gave his kidney so somebody could have physical life. Jesus gave his life so we could have eternal life. And it's in that spirit we want to serve him. So after I pray over Tyler and bless him, we're going to stand and sing one last song, and then we'll be dismissed on this Thanksgiving weekend. Heavenly Father, I bless this, my brother, my buddy, my friend. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the example he set, not just for his wife, not just for his kids, but for his pastor. And for his church, and I thank you for the way that he models obedience and being a disciple and a follower of Christ. Bless him a thousandfold for what he's done for someone he will never meet. And Lord, I know he feels this way. I pray whoever got his kidney would somehow, through that, if they don't, come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would you just let Tyler know how much you love him, how much you appreciate him today? All right, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing one last song. And again, thanks for coming and being a part of our service today.